Okay, guys, welcome Muneeb to our podcast. Uh, Muneeb, thank you for joining us. You're from, you're calling in from Quarter, right? Uh, when we were first talking with Henry, you were in Dubai a week, a few weeks ago, and yeah, um, yeah really interested to have you on and talk a little bit about how um, you're seeing it, uh, seeing things from a different side of the world and as being an entrepreneur yourself, uh, how, you know, your situation might be different or the things you might be dealing with might be different, but we're all kind of connected uh, in this joint struggle. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how has uh, the pandemic been for you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks man for having me. It's, uh, uh, I'm glad to be able to um, get connected into this. Uh, can you still hear me good? Because it just showed me the yeah. internet is unstable here. You're good? Yeah, I mean, it's okay, yeah, perfect. Kind of cutting in and out. But yeah, so <laughs> apparently like in Qatar, they already have 5G internet. So the speed has been not bad so far. It's, it's, it's looking pretty good. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm in Middle East right now. So when I got connected with Henry a few weeks back, I actually was in Dubai. And the primary reason was for like, you know, um, we have a team situated here as well in this region too. And then like, you know, had some important meetings that I wanted to get done, but never did I thought that like, you know, things were going to get escalated to the point they are right now. So I'm talking like mid-Feb, it was still more of the thing that was in like Asia and it was starting to spread. But then I came to Qatar because my sister is here and uh, so far so good, but I do want to get back home as well in Toronto. Like, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh we'll see when it's safe for me to get back there. Yeah, absolutely. How long you been were you in Toronto? Have you been in Toronto? How long have I been living in Toronto? Yeah. So we came like um almost uh, 14 years ago. 14 years ago and then uh nice. just completing my high school. Yep, and then uh, like I went back uh, to just sort of like, you know, complete my high school and then I got into University of Toronto. So like, you know, I came back and just like uh, started from there. So it's been, it's been a while since I've been in Toronto, but like still uh, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite places. I've been around the world, a lot of places, but still like, you know, Toronto is one of those places. Just like, it feels like home. That's it is home. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, cool, man. Like uh, which part of Toronto do you live in? Like which, so okay? the very first time we came to the very first time we came to Canada, yeah, yeah, it's perfectly fine. So the first time we came, we came to Scarborough, I remember, and then like we had to go back because I had to complete my studies, and then came back again after a year, and then we just like moved to Mississauga, and since then it's just been Mississauga. Even though, oh, like, you know, the first office location that we got for our company was in downtown Toronto, that was almost like six years, six years ago now. And all yeah. my friends wouldn't stop talking about how I should move into the city. But mm -hmm. I feel like for me, like Mississauga is home. So like, you know, uh, like after the whole day of craziness in downtown Toronto, it's like a nice drive going back to Mississauga and just like, you know, being a little bit of in suburbs rather than just middle of uh, the craziness, you know, the downtown craziness. Yeah. No, absolutely. Suburbs are definitely much better <laughs> to be dealing with all this stuff with. But um, cool, man, let's 100%. talk a little about that. You know, you grew up in Toronto. Went to UFT and uh, you started about three companies in, since then. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So three companies officially, but quite honestly, like being an entrepreneur pretty yeah. much early, early age. 
So the good part is that like, you know, you always need, uh, you know how they say like being a co-founder, it's always important to be in pairs. Like, you know, the, the odd of success with two co-founders much higher than just one founder, yeah. like, you know, and I think the optimal level is around three. But uh, yeah, I was just fortunate that like, you know, uh, all my life, like my brother has been my co-founder and or like before we officially became co-founders, my partner in crime, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, like we tested a lot of things, a lot of fun projects, we failed in a lot of them. But yeah, uh, like, you know, um, from the time I went to UFT, literally in the last year, that's when I started the first company to now it's on, on to my third uh, uh, startup or venture. Nice. Can you talk a little bit more about that? What, what, have, you, what have you ventured? What would you get, what'd you do for your company? Yeah, for sure, man. So the first one, you want me to walk you through from the earliest one or just the latest one that we're doing right now? <clears throat> yes, just walk us through what you've done. That's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so like uh, in my last year, like in the fourth year when I was like, you know, almost uh, completing the, like, so I went to like, I did bachelor's in commerce. Uh, so sort of like, you know, just like a specialist in accounting and majors in economics and like every brown parent, my dad wanted me to do just CPA or CA. And yeah. uh, quite honestly, I had zero interest in that. I was just like, hey, I don't want to be stuck in that big four uh, sort of like, you know, ecosystem where I'm just doing nine to five or just like, you know, just working for a just didn't like, like escape that was to just prove to my dad. And then just like, you know, uh, that, Hey, there is the, I can create some value, uh, if I just do something on my own. So again, like, you know, my brother went to, uh, engineering. And so, and he's always had this like mind for like, you know, just product based aspect. So like, you know, just like the technical aspect and like, you know, we just like complimented each other minded. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to take on like the investor relations operations and like, you know, all that stuff and you focus on the product. So let's like, you know, like, you know, you, you take lead on that and I'll take the lead on this. So the first thing that we started again, uh, we've always believed in starting with like analyzing a pain point. If we come across somebody who has a pain point and if we can solve that, and that is something that can be scaled, that is something that gets us excited. So the very first thing we did was the first project we did was it was called um, Hash Innovations. It was like an online marketing company, uh, which was just uh, online solutions, business solutions to SMBs, right? Small, medium-sized businesses. So I'm talking like your travel agencies, your like, you know, mom and pop shops, like your restaurants, like, you know, your uh, spa, like local spas. And at that time, and I'm talking back in 2009 or 10, 10 is when like, you didn't have the kind of technology integration that you have today. You didn't have like, you know, Squarespace or Wix to create your website, like in no time. And like, you know, it was, it was fairly hard, all that stuff. And these, like, we just realized there was a lot of appetite for like small, medium-sized businesses to be sort of able to get this solution like that. So we created a concept around that where we would just like provide all these solutions for like a monthly fee. And very quickly, just like word of mouth, we started going first in Mississauga and then like, you know, other parts of Toronto as well. And within two years, like, you know, uh, we got an offer where there was a company that was expanding from Dubai coming into Toronto and we ended up getting bought. Like, you know, it was just, it wasn't like a blockbuster acquisition or like, you know, like something newsworthy, but for us, it was just like a good validation, uh, like, you know, right around the time when I was graduating that, Hey, we can create some sort of value and like, you know, like, and, and that value could be worth something. So let's try something mm -hmm. on a bigger scale. 
And that is when we decided to start this, uh, something a little bit more on, uh, on, on more technology side rather than like in-person, like, you know, how you want, like for SMBs or like, you know, these kind of, uh, uh, concepts like, you know, SaaS based models, uh, there's a lot of like in-person consultation required and all that stuff. We're like, okay, we want to go like more on mobile, like, you know, tech- leveraging technology. And that's where we started this company called Ask for Task, which is in simple words, like Uber for home services, right? So like, you know, your handyman, uh, if you need cleaning done, like, you know, 20 other categories were introduced. So like, you know, we started from one city again and then started launching and eventually we went Canada wide and then we opened up a few cities in US as well. So that was something that sort of like, you know, took us from just like, you know, being in Mississauga or just like, you know, just surrounding areas to just go like nationwide and then like, you know, even go south of border. Then uh, the third project, which is that occupies most of my time now, it's called AirZye, which is in a hardware space. So completely different. So like I'm talking the first project being in consultation, like, you know, offline sort of activations to like an online app to going into hardware. So it was just like, you know, it's always for us, we get excited about exploring like uncharted territory, which we don't have experience in and sort of learning about it. And then sort of like, you know, uh, trying and build some value in that aspect. And so this was something that was a passion project two years ago, two, two and a half years ago, where we were like, hey, you know what? We all love those colognes, right? Like, you know, your, your, your Tom Ford's, your Gucci, your Versace, like, you know, just upscale, like high-end colognes, right? But the problem is all of these are like, you know, something that you wear uh, personally, there's no solution for your home. So that's where we were like, okay, like, we can create a why, why, what if you create a device that you can put in your home and you can buy cartridges like you know an espresso machine and you can just pop them in and it can make your room your home smell like as good as like you know your cologne or like you know how you have you are in like upscale hotels uh luxury hotels the kind of uh, uh experience that you get from fragrance side what if you created at home the pitched in our own money uh, started scaling it and then before we knew it like you know it became a full-fledged venture like you know backed by like you know investors and now we're just on the verge of launching this project so i think like all of our journey has always been like understanding just like something that gets us excited or where we see a pain point and we want to go and just like you know learn about that new industry and implement something yeah um cool man that's it's really cool, always cool to hear people's progression as a serial entrepreneur, how their previous companies helped fuel their growth into what they're building now and, and lead that too, right? So can you talk a little bit about that too? Like how has the other first two companies now helped you with the skills you have acquired there helping the third company? What are you, what are you taking from it? Oh, a hundred percent. And that's one thing that I always talk about, right? Like, you know, uh, whenever somebody is starting from zero, like, and anytime, like, you know, they've asked me, what's that number one rule, the golden rule. And I just always, as cliche as it sounds, it's just that you just got to keep making moves. Mm. That's it. Like, cannot think about it, cannot wait till it gets perfect, cannot wait around trying to see like how well it can go. You just ship it. Like, you know, you just put it out there, make that move. And then if it, if it works, great, that's exactly what you wanted. But if it doesn't work, then it's not failure. Like you haven't failed. You've just learned a way, one of the ways that it's not going to work. So you just take the second approach, then the third approach, then the fourth, you just keep going. Right. The problem is like, you know, when you get into that, like, you know, that thought process where you start overthinking and you get into that, you know, that, that, that simply that uh, analysis paralysis where you're just like, Hey, you know what, like, should I do this? Like, is it going to work or not? 
The simple thing is nobody cares, right? Especially the biggest advantage that you have when you're starting up is that nobody cares. Nobody know about you. Nobody knows about your brand, your product. So you can make as many mistakes as possible and then hit the reset button and then go back to it. So mm -hmm. to your point, absolutely. Like when you keep building up on that, you're just setting up a foundation and then you just understand, you keep understanding what is going to work and what isn't. So your, your execution becomes better with time. Your execution becomes uh, smarter with time. And then you start to get, you start to make more progress or you start to drive more results uh, in return for lesser effort. Right. So mm -hmm. if you were to look yeah. at the graph of like how much effort you need to put in to get how much results, like, you know, initially it's all effort and pretty much zero results. And, but you get to a point and everybody has gone through it. Even Jeff Bezos has gone to that, that path where like, you know, you just make all the mistakes and you get, or you do all the execution, but you don't get really a lot of results. But then you get to a point where you have to put very little effort, but the results are humongous because you know, you have the fundamental setup, you know what works you have the ecosystem in place that can actually bring in the results. Mm. That's a great way of uh, putting it. That's awesome, man. So like you, you went, you moved, are you uh, like moved back in the Middle East or you went there for a trip when all this happened? What happened there? Oh, just, uh, it was a business trip. <laughs> it was okay. a business trip that was supposed to last for five days. Um, but like, you know, had some, uh, some meetings that came up. So I decided to stay back another week. And then, and then this thing just blew up. And oh so I was like, I had, I had two options. I was just like, Hey, I can get the hell back. Like, you know, just take the next slide, go back. Or mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? This could be a good time to test how well I can work remotely. Now that's a very interesting perspective too, because like I travel a lot. Like I think even last year I took like um, over like, a, I think almost a hundred flights. Right. So the thing is mm. that like, you know, for me, it was always like I go and I'm, I'm in any city, including a place like Dubai, that's a 14 hour direct flight. And like, you know, the, the time difference, the jet lag and all my shortest trip to Dubai has been like four days. So I, I reached, I was here for three days before my jet lag could even get reset. And I was back in Toronto. So I've done that as well. So it's always like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go in, get my stuff done, and then I'm going to go back into the office. But this time yeah. I was like, hey, you know what? Let's see how well the teams can work without me, how I can work without being in the office. What is the meaning of being truly agile, right? Like truly connected, remotely connected. And so I was like, okay, let's stay back one more week. Again, none of us foresaw this, whatever we are right now, the lockdowns, the inability to move, just staying at home. Like, you know, everything like that was something that none of us could have even seen in our wildest dreams. Right. And mm. nobody knew it was going to get that worse. So like for me, it was like, okay, let's stay back another week, see how well I do. And then another week and all of a sudden it was just like, Hey, it's not even safe to travel anymore. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm sort of being forced to stay back here. Might be a blessing in disguise to truly see how things work. And if you ask me, I'm actually enjoying it, but yeah, to answer your question, no, uh, Toronto is home. And I cannot wait to be back as soon as like, you know, things clear up or whenever I get an opportunity to take the flight back. Cool. Man. That's good to hear. But uh, I was kind of worried you were going to tell me that you got stuck there when all this happened and like you didn't want to travel and um, you got kind of stuck in, in back home in, in the Middle East. But I mean, it's good that you're at least a family and that uh, you're taking the time to experiment and grow with that, in that framework of working from home. How's that been? Has it been a struggle, uh, especially the time difference and stuff like that? Um, how's it, how's the pivot been? 
that's a great question. So yeah, that's that's true point. Like initially, I was a little bit like you know, I was thinking, I was getting a little bit anxious about okay, like am I stuck here? But of course, the flights are still going. I can still hop on a flight and get back. Not that it's that safe, and then I have to self-isolate myself in Toronto for 14 days, which is mandatory. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody should do that if they travel back. Um, but I think what happened is that, like you know, this was something that was out of my comfort zone, like being completely remote. And I think uh, in past eight years since I started my first project, like I haven't taken, I like for more than two weeks in a row. Right. So I'm always back in town and I haven't really taken a vacation. It's always business travel. Like I have a meeting somewhere and then I go. But uh, the thing is that like, you know, it's always about, okay, this stuff is piling up. I have these tasks that need to be addressed. Okay. Let me get back in Toronto. Let me get back to the office. And then I'm going to sit on my desk. And so I have that little bit of that mentality, right? That traditional aspect of like, okay, like when I'm back into my comfort zone in my these non-essential things. So I feel like when this thing came around, I was just like, hey, you know what? This is a great time for me to put myself out of the comfort zone and sort of learn something new or sort of establish a new skill, which is just Mm -hmm. being completely remote, trusting my team to sort of like, you know, work uh, or be connected online because now everybody is work from home anyways. So there's no other um, option than to stay connected and sort of be In a way, right? And being in a hardware company where there's supply chain, there's like, you know, we have distribution center, there's a lot of physical involvement that is needed. How we can actually set up our ecosystem in a way that we're able to drive the equal amount of value without being there. So, in a nutshell, uh, first of all, like, I like the timings here because I, I like being up late at night, even though, like, you know, yeah. my schedule in Toronto is like, I'm up 5, 5.30 a.m. max. I hate I'm done by 7, 7.30, shower up, get breakfast. And I'm in the office by like 8, 8.30 and our office starts at nine. So I'm the first one in. But uh, here it's the opposite. So I feel like I'm sort of on a, on a vacation in a weird way where like, you know, my timings are actually being up till 5 a.m. So I sleep at 5 a.m. And then I'm up at nine, sorry, around like 12 p.m., 12, 12-ish, like noon. But the best part is it's still like 5 a.m. in Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah. That it gives me that benefit to just like you know start my day afternoon in the afternoon and still be the first one online. So <laughs> a little bit of an advantage over my team. And they hate me. They hate getting those like six a.m. emails. But like you know, yeah. <laughs> now they're they they're good with that too because they're like, okay, we already know what you need done, what needs to be, what needs to happen, what is the agenda, whatever it is. So like they can clear out uh, like you know early on in the day. So if they need to tend to their kids or if they want to have a family time later in the day, they have that time to themselves as well. So yeah. it's, it's starting to come together well. Absolutely. It, it, it's interesting, right? Like everyone who's working from home, especially forced to in a situation, because you're forced to, right? And everyone is dealing with the same thing. There's no guilt factor of like, oh, you know, am I enforcing something new or trying to go against a good grain? Because everyone's doing it. It kind of seems frictionless that it's so novel what's coming out of it, right? Like there's new work-life integration where I can plan out my day better where I can spend time with my family, cook meals, and be working at the same time, and then take on a Zoom call and jump in. You can like jump in, jump out, and fractionally kind of handle mm-hmm. your life. And in a weird way, almost everyone I talk to, they love this. Because you get to be productive when you feel productive. You get to take care of yes. things that, that keep you anxious, 
right? You can take care of what, your family. And since you're mixing and work with it as well, you've kind of like blended together. You feel like you have moral control. And control, it's humans, brings up, brings up the creative element of being like higher level thinkers and doers, right? So we, we're now, I'm hearing stories of people now getting emails at two o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, right? People are working. And nobody minds anymore. Hours. Yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think, and I think, you know what, if, if there was an analysis that was done, uh, some sort of post this crisis and they're able to see the productivity created. My opinion, I think that's going to yield better results than actually coming to the office. Like yeah. just the fact that like, you know, okay, you know, it's, it's similar to like how you have a TV show on cable versus Netflix. Like, you can watch the show wherever you like, you can pause it whenever you want, you can get back to it, you can resume it, you can do whatever, so it's on demand. Now the good mm -hmm. part is your work is on demand as well. You can pause yeah. it whenever you want, you can resume it whenever you want, and then you can get back in and out of the loop. And you don't really mind, like nobody at all, I think that's a great point that you said, nobody cares if the email is coming at 2 a.m. or 4 a.m. or 12 p.m., like whatever the time is, because like, you know, for people it's just like, hey, you know what, it's embedded in my life. Like, you know, I don't have to take the time out. I don't have to commit to a nine to five. It's just that I'm going to do work. I'm going to be productive whenever I can. And that's mindset is very, very good. And that's the one thing that I'm personally experimenting too. Like, who, like the thing that I'm experimenting and I'm figuring out right now, as weird as it may sound, but I'm the most productive between like 3 a.m. to 5.30 a.m. That's just a weird time where all my creative juices are flowing and the amount yeah. of shit, because everybody in the house is sleeping, the amount of stuff I can do and I'm, I'm able to accomplish is just insane. And this is, I would have been able to experiment with that if I was in Toronto and we had office hours, I had a meeting 8.30 a.m., how would I be able to do that? So you never get yeah. the chance to go out of your comfort zone or experiment and do the thing. So yeah, this, as bad as this pandemic is, and like, you know, just looking at it from the positive angle, and that's, uh, that's what I keep urging people to do, because I try to do that at all as well, because like, you know, it's just not the normal circumstances, right? But if you look at it from the positive perspective, that's definitely one of the angles where it's like, hey, you know what, because of this, forced to experiment with new things and we're being put in this un out of our comfort zone where like you know there could be so many new learnings we can actually have that can make our lives better yeah absolutely and um i mean just to touch upon all that right like the, the frictionless way of doing work work in life now um do you see people ever going back this is this is the thing right i'm talking to companies people right now they're looking at it as like why would i go back this this is so this works for me Mm -hmm. I think, okay, so that's a, that's a very interesting debate that is going on right now. So in my opinion, I think what has happened is like when, the, when this would end, and it totally depends on how prolonged this is. If it lasts, God forbid, for a year, which a lot of analysts are saying, then that's going to completely change the way we think, we operate, and like, you know, the way of life. Like, because like majority of the people would adapt to like, you know, the new life cycle, like the new lifestyle, yeah. right? But if it's because still it's very early, right? If, and we all are hoping for this, like this ends in next few weeks or next couple of months, right? I feel like people would want to go back to normal, the, the, the old normal as soon as possible. But that does not necessarily mean that we're going to go 100% to where we were. Because now we have started to figure out that there are a lot many, there are, there are ways 
to be productive, to be connected to your loved ones, to do things in a collaborative manner that wasn't that we weren't looking in before, right? I think like, you know, the, the, the behaviors, like, you know, just the consumer spending in general, uh, I feel that like, you know, the way people used to like, you know, spend on commodities, on things, on experiences, there's going to be a lot of shift. There is going to be a drastic shift into that. Um, but yeah, like it, it stands to would definitely be interesting to see how much it affects. And I personally think it's directly correlated to how long this is going to end. The longer it ends, the more we're going to have permanent changes. So it, it truly just depends on like, you know, how fast or where we're able to take this. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, absolutely. I think the timing on all this is what falls into it because it gives the time for people to get into socially ingrained practices, right? Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry, I think you got muted there. Yeah, so, yeah, um, you're right. I think if, yeah, so I think you're right. So if it ends next week, for instance, I think there's enough of a shift momentum they're still to flip people back to old way of doing things. But this goes on for seven months, a year. Holy crap. We're living, we're being locked into a new reality for good, mm -hmm. right? Of this virtual living environment. And I think that's really like the blessing in disguise, this, in disguise over here is this is like, this is like been a catalyst really for the fourth industrial revolution. It's shifted away everything that's been built previously that we were reliant on, the old systems and practice of doing things. And it's forcing us to adapt to a new um, environment completely. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think there's going to be so many new solutions. Like if you look at the digital, how fast people are pivoting, people are like, you know, sort of coming up with solutions that are going to enable us to be into that new era of being truly online. I feel before this happened and like, you know, we're understanding the pain around it as well. Like, you know, we did, we thought we were completely online and we were reliant on technology, but we weren't. There were so many things that we were doing offline and that's why people are freaking out right now because there was that much dependency. And now when people are truly online, they're realizing, okay, these were the things that are missing. These are the missing links. And that's where the startups are coming in and sort of like, you know, bring these solutions to completely connect the loop. And once that is connected, I think that's going to change our behavior because that's when our reliance on being offline is going to completely get transformed into being online. And that's where it's going to be like, okay, like why do I need to show up in the office? Like, you know, we can conveniently and easily do the meetings anywhere in the world and we should probably continue to do that. Right. So I think you're right. Like, you know, in terms of it's, it's just a matter of like, you know, uh, how fast people are, are able to adopt to like the new changes of being truly online are able to like uh, embrace that. And like, you know, and, and then on top of that, of course, the corporations as well. Think about it, even if it's a fortune 500 company, right? As soon as they realize, hey, I don't need to have the amount of office space and the square footage that I needed before, because like now I can like, you know, like uh, remote teams. The moment they realize that, and people would have to do that because of like, you know, the, the recession we're getting pulled in, like everybody would need to be more uh, agile and people would need to be more leaner with their, with their burns. So like, you know, mm -hmm. if they're able to understand that, like, you know, it does not really matter. I don't need to have and head office a whole building in downtowns of the, of every city. I can actually have remote teams and be equally productive. That's where 
it's going to be a trickle down effect where it's just going to be like, okay, like, you know, because like the financial aspect, the economy is forcing us to be more lean. And now we have the tools readily available and people are getting used to it. Then what's stopping us from just being there permanently? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the environment on, uh, on your end, right? So coming from the Middle East. So you live in Toronto you see how things are done differently across the world. Uh, you know, you talk about going in a lot of meetings, uh, before all this happened in the Middle East, how are, how are people responding to this? How are businesses changed? How are people's lives affected? How uh, is things different there? Um, good question. So I have a lot of friends here, um, and I keep in touch with them and like, you know, um, and I was actually very interested in actually looking at how things would affect this part of the world, because I don't think anybody knew about zoom before this happened yeah. and now pretty much <laughs> yeah. everybody is yeah honestly man this was it was more of a north zoom is the real winner here yeah oh yeah i don't know if it's like if like i read somewhere that they went from like 10 million users to 200 million in a matter of months yeah. it's ridiculous yeah so like you know all of a sudden everybody it's not just companies or corporations that are using zoom here even friends are using zoom to actually connect together right like you know yeah. every all the entities like everybody's so the, the adoption here for technology that did not really exist up till now, I think that is getting like accelerated here as well. So like, you know, yeah, people are trying to be truly remote, like, you know, they're leveraging technology and the implementation is much faster because remember like over here, people are not that fast to adopt changes, right? They like their traditional ways, their original ways. So like, you know, they're able to adopt to this much faster here. So that's interesting to see. So I feel like everywhere, the whole world is sort of on the same level playing field. And then now it's like, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of like, how fast can you embrace the new, uh... but he has to, because like, you know, there's no other option. Yeah. Gotcha. So what, in, in, in quarter, like how are things there with like, is there a quarantine effect? Like what are the, what, what are the crowd size allowed? Like, so it totally depends on where you are in the Middle East, like where I am right now. It isn't as strict as some other places that I've been hearing. So it's it's the same thing. It's like social distancing, like, you know, all the yeah. public places are, are sort of like, you know, a shutdown. They're not allowing more than two people in a car. Like they're only do, asking to do essential runs. So it's just, it's just a matter of like, you know, uh, just doing it in the, like, you know, just doing it in a safe manner. So not, not as a strict, like I, I think uh, North America can learn a thing or two because of like how bad it is and especially in New York city and other places. So like oh, right yeah. now, give you an example, like, you know, with our company Airzai, where we do like smart home uh, devices, like, you know, we quickly shifted or switched to like before this, even this thing happened, like, so early Feb is when we actually decided to come up with this, like, you know, this air sanitizer, which now at that time, nobody even knew it was an airborne uh, issue, right? Like, you know, uh, coronavirus can actually transfer airborne. Uh, can mm -hmm. be transmitted airborne, right? Yep. Um, now they're saying they started with, okay, it can be in, up in the air 30 minutes, then it turned to 33 hours. And now there's a report uh, by WHO where they're saying it can be up to eight hours. So that mm -hmm. means if somebody, you got into an elevator, somebody gets into an elevator, they leave and then they cough or whatever. If they were like, you know, if they were positive, so they leave the particles, the bacteria in the elevator. So if you go in and you inhale it, you're done. So you're gonna oh, you're God. gonna pick up on it, right? So we were like, okay, like you know, because factories are shut down, so our manufacturing went on hold. We were like, why don't we create a solution like a air sanitizer where you can sanitize the air? So if you get into an Uber, 
you get into an elevator or wherever, you can actually disinfect the air around you yeah. in that area. So that's what we did. Uh, but yeah, so coming to my point, like, you know, our manufacturing, our distribution was set up in New York because at that time, China was like oh, the center and nobody yeah. wanted anything from China. So we were like, yeah. okay, like we were paying the premium to be in the US. And now the thing is now the whole thing is reversed. So now like, it's like the, the, the New York city or like New York state has become the epicenter of the. Yeah. of the world is like you know it's getting safer like china apparently is not the safest place so it totally totally depends like you know where like how things are evolving and so it's really really important for everybody to just like just shift quick or like you know pivot quick or like move quick in terms of just making sure you keep up with whatever this the, this thing is bringing yeah yeah i mean that's it that's the toughest thing, toughest thing that a lot of entrepreneurs deal with is the disruption the disruption to their supply chain like at least if you're a company, you can at least have apply resources toward this, you know, have some background information. But as an entrepreneur, how are you shifting around? So what's next for you guys? Because that seems like a pretty cool thing, being able to sanitize the air around you. Yeah. Uh, is that is it a spray bottle? I'm assuming. Yeah, it's literally a spray bottle. Uh, they're shipping me one here too, so I haven't even gotten one in Middle East. So my team is sending me one. Uh, hopefully, I'm gonna get it in a couple of days. But uh, yeah, I'll share the link with you later. But like you know, it's basically yeah. like all natural ingredients it's basically it uh, kills the bacteria or the germs around you and it has this refreshing scent so it helps you in relaxing and sort of like you know just like you know and right now everybody is um stranded at home they're just like the like the whole family is sort of like you know just like it is in this enclosed space one area so yeah. you're not one area right so it's more than important ever to have like mental health wellness as well right like you know it's not just about physical activities it's mental wellness as well so like, you know, the, the fragrance that we have put into it is basically that helps you in de-stress, relax and make you feel less anxious about the situation that you're going through. So we just rolled this out as a project. And again, it's just like the, the way, like, you know, you have to move fast with things like that. And like, you know, our team did an incredible job while me being here, like, you know, they're able to execute really well uh, back home and do the R&D on the formula, drive that formula, set up the supply chain, uh, and then like, you know, we started filling up the bottles, started shipping them. So this is like something that is picking up really, really fast. And I think that's what it is. Like right now, this, the, this, the, 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 the era we're in right now, the crisis that we're in right now, the winners are only going to be the companies that are able to understand how to move pivot fast, how to move fast quickly. And you know what, like they're able to, uh, embrace whatever change that is coming and are able to reflect that. And mm. there's going to be like, there are going to definitely be going to be some sad, like, you know, just like a lot of shutdowns, but I, I can guarantee you there's going to be so many more companies that are going to just going to get huge because they understood the opportunity and able to like, you know, maneuver themselves and get into that aspect. No, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. In fact, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the main thing these crises kind of showed, right? Everything from like the Spanish flu in the 1920s to the uh, 2008 financial crisis, big companies come out of these situations because markets get disrupted and opportunities kind of bubble up to the surface. Oh, 100%. Um, like, that's what it is, right? Like, you know, it's like right now we're still in the early stages and I keep urging people, like, you know, whoever I see, I'm like, hey, you know what? Like, this is like, if you think, if you look around and if you think through yeah. this, like, you know, there's so much opportunity that is right in front of you for grabbing that it's insane, right? 
and sure like you know it's hard on people like you know there's so many like there is first of all the pandemic itself like you know people are freaking out about not catching this uh, this this uh, this virus the second thing is the financial aspect of it and then the the new lifestyle of just being at home right just like staying indoors so sure there is a lot to sort of uh, understand sort of take in and then uh, work on it but then now that like we're a few weeks into this it's it's high time where people and you know you can you, we all see this on social media people complaining about how they're bored how they have like already finished like you know the whole netflix like you know like just joking around but like you know they're just like hey there's no meaning to life well this is the prime time like you know when this you is start the time. actually yeah. this like you get this break you need to understand that this is a prime prime opportunity to do something and actually understand what opportunity is there what is in demand right now right and leverage that to not only build something for yourself but actually offer employment to a lot more people employment opportunities like you know livelihood to a lot more people yep yep absolutely uh so what else do you think is a prime for people to work on like if you were not working what you're working on and had uh -huh. time to spare what would you do so look, I'll give you again, like, you know, the example. So I was running two companies, right? Like, you know, we have Astrotask, right? So we have a team for that. And then we have AirZai, right? Mm -hmm. AirZai was basically supposed to be a smart home device, right? That basically, like, you know, it's, it's meant to make a room fragrant, uh, to smell good. Um, like, you know, that was our concept. But the thing is, you put that on hold because, like, you know, the factories are on hold. And there is, people are not really looking for fragrances right now. They're looking for, like, you know, uh, ways to make their surroundings safer, right? So if we can provide a solution, being like, you know, having done the R&D and we have the resources, we did that. Now for Ask for Task, like I'll give you an example. So Ask for Task, like, you know, people are going to other people's home. So we try to be proactive in terms of communicating to our taskers, the people who go and do the jobs to be safe. Like, you know, wear masks, wear gloves, sanitize, do this and that. But at the end of the day, we still felt that it wasn't safe for people to go from one home to another uh, and be the carriers where the government is urging people to do so social distancing and be staying at home. So even though like cleaning services are considered essential by like, you know, by, uh, by the government right now, still in Canada, we made the proactive discussion decision to actually put that on hold. Right. So we actually seized our operations effective April 4th. So we're not taking any more tasks. Like we literally bought the whole thing to halt. And one reason we did that was because we wanted to just make sure that we don't put people, our people in our community at risk, right? We even came up with the hashtag, like, you know, like people over profit, right? We were like, we're urging other people, other companies who feel that they're putting other people, people in their communities, local communities in danger to like, you know, uh, uh, do, 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 like, you know, uh, where they can actually be exposed to this virus. They should make that responsible, uh, uh, like, you know, uh, decision to like, you know, do something about it. But what we did now is that, like, again, have to be creative about it, right? So our team now, because like, you know, we're not running those operations, we're moving our team from like Aspartas to like, you know, Airzai, because over there, the demand is blowing up, right? So we need as many help as possible from customer side, service side to like operation side and all that stuff. So the point is to answer your question, it's, it's a matter of understanding, analyzing where you are in the world, what is your expertise, what resources do you have at your disposal uh, to be able to to be able to like you know um, allocate that to your benefit, right? Where you can leverage those uh, like you know those facilities, those 
benefits to your advantage. So, and I, it does not matter. You don't need to have two companies. You don't need to have employees. You can be at home and you can be good at, at coding and you can come up with the next app uh, or like, you know, a platform people to connect either personally with their family and friends uh, uh, for companies to connect. You can come up with a hardware product. You see, there's a big flow of people going into like, you know, making masks or like, you know, a lot of essential stuff that frontline workers need. That is great. That's like, if companies can pivot to do, to offer stuff like that, that is what is needed right now. And then you can look at the long-term aspect as well. Like if you look at it, one thing that we talked about earlier, Ravi, was that like, you know, how the world is going to change and it's going to go completely online. Than ever. This is the prime time. This is the new dot-com era that we're going to go into where everything is going to be truly online, right? So like even for a company like ours, like Ask for Task, where there was like, it was all like we have a smart algorithm. We have platform to connect, effectively connect two people together. But at the end of the day, the two people are meeting. And now we're realizing, hey, that is not truly online. So what can we add in our platform to be able to drive that? We'll do that. But that's in the long term, mm -hmm. right? So I think the easiest way or like the simplest way to go about this is planning on short term, which is responding to this crisis, uh, doing something to contribute to this crisis. And then the, the second aspect is going to be the long term, where it's like how you're going to... Uh, like you know facilitate the new behavioral change in the world and how can you leverage that to actually bring value for yourself yeah these are good questions i really like where you're going with this so i mean our time's almost up here with hard stuff coming up so i kind of want to wrap this up we covered some great things um and i really like uh, your new pivot you're doing with your company as well trying to trying to especially uh put people over the company over, over the products and trying to service the community based off what they need. And, people over profit, uh, always. Yeah, people over profit. There you go, right? And, so, and, and, and yeah. in fact, one small thing that I want to add to that, the, this thought just came to me because, you know, people are thinking about how can we actually, like, you know, how we talked about the short term and the long term, right? Like, you know, short term responding the crisis to long term. One decision that we recently made with Astrotask was that we have this platform. So what we're trying to do now, utilize this platform mm -hmm. to connect people together, to connect our elderly people, our frontline workers, health workers, to if they need groceries, they need stuff from their home, whatever it is. So if people in the communities, we have like over 20,000, 25,000 taskers across Canada, they can volunteer to go and do that work for them. That's how we're utilizing our platform now, right? To actually like, you know, facilitate the crisis. Long-term, we have some plans because like, you know, we're hoping and we're truly, truly praying that like, you know, these crises don't last long and we get passed through it. But once that is done, there's definitely going to be the new era that we can go into. And there's definitely a lot of opportunity that opens up. So I really challenge people to think about what do I have in my resources to implement right now to help the frontline workers to help with these crises? Uh, what can I put towards this? And then as the world is changing now, the new world, what can I do to actually create value as well? No, that's fantastic. What is this tool called? Where can people find it? Like, uh, sorry, what's that? Your 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 company. What's it called? The tool. Um, uh, ask, ask for task. Ask for task. Ask for task. Yeah. Ask for task. Ask for task. Com? Yeah. Ask for task. Is it exactly? Com. Perfect. And people can go there right now and sign up and do things or ask for things. 
yeah, so we haven't launched the new, like the, the frontline worker run, the, the voluntary aspect. So that's something that is under works. We're hoping to ship this as soon as possible. Uh, but our other product, which is the air sanitizer, airzai.com, that is available right away. So if you just go airzai.com, it's called airzai care. And again, the good thing about that is for that as well, Ravi, that I want to mention is, again, it's not just about helping people stay safe and their loved ones stay safe. What we're doing is we got into a partnership with United Nations Foundation, uh, and they have mm -hmm. a fund set up that is directly working towards facilitating the research for coronavirus that is assisting the frontline workers. So we're actually donating uh, proceeds, part of our sales from Care towards that fund as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very, very important more than ever that like, you know, we choose like, you know, not only creating value for ourselves, which is very important. Everybody needs to provide for their families. They should be creating jobs for their communities, but at the same time, they are sort of investing and sort of spending on the bigger uh, spectrum as gotcha. well. Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, definitely. Let's stick around. Uh, I'm going to ask you the end of this episode. Let's stick around for about five minutes. Shoot me those links and uh, we'll blast them out as well to people within our, within our network. Hopefully, that can drive some traffic. That's really the important thing you're doing right there. Awesome, man. I really appreciate it. Perfect. So we'll call this episode. Thank you, Vinay, for being on and uh, signing off, everybody.